All right, so how many of you saw the quick switch this morning? Anyone? Yeah, you, you know, right? I told you it was going to come in handy sometime to have my wardrobe on the stage. Um, I had a red t-shirt on with a vest earlier. Danny and I were matching, right? And my wife comes in and goes, there's paint on the back of your t-shirt. You can't wear that. And I said, well, what do you want me to put on? And she said, there's a whole <laughs> thing of clothes on the stage. Like, well, I'm not going to go up there and pick one off. And did anybody notice her do that? Okay, I, I should have made some noise in the back or something to distract. So many years ago, I don't know, remember how long ago it was. I think it was probably about 20, though. Two, two guys from our community, Danny Hubs and uh, Ray Bever and I, were in a, uh, a fire truck. It was a, it was a quick attack, and we were on severity in KC, meaning that we were just parked there waiting for a fire to start. Um, KC is not a huge, not a lot to do in KC, really. Um, but there was a day where there was some smoke coming off the Bighorns uh, straight west of, of KC, and we were supposed to go out there and find it, and uh, one of the local sheriffs was, uh, was in a six-by-six six fire truck, and uh, he was sort of leading the way, and we, we, it, it took us over an hour to kind of weave our way back to the base of this mountain, and we finally get there, and, and Danny's driving, and I'm in the middle, and Ray is on the right-hand side because everyone knows that the the best place is in the middle right you don't have to open any gates and you don't have to drive so that's where I was sitting and uh, we're looking at this hill and uh, the other guy in the six by just kind of disappears and and Danny goes well is that it is that because we could see the cat trail up there he said well I'm just going to go straight up and and we'll get on that cat trail and then we'll go the rest of the way well he he started up that got a run at it started up it got about a third or a half of the way up there and the 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 truck spun out and there we were you know he 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 hits pushes in the clutch hits the brakes and the the truck of course is full of water the front end kind of rears back a little bit and then we're just all three of us are sitting there going now what do we do uh, Ray says, I will get out and I will go back and I will sort of direct you down the hill. That was sort of one of the rules to do. You, you couldn't back a truck up without having somebody back there. So, so Ray's back there about 15 feet or 20 feet and he starts to back Danny down this, this trail and, or down this hill. Danny lets up on the brake and, uh, and, and the pickup starts back a little bit and then he pushes in on the brake and the brake goes clear to the floor. And, and I, look in the rear, I look in the side mirror, and Ray is back there going, uh, which direction do I go? He gets out of the way. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering what on earth is Danny going to do. Danny lets out on the clutch. Of course, the engine just revs way up. He pushes the clutch back in. We're gaining speed, and he turns it against the side of the hill. And I'm, I'm telling you, the, the truck's four-wheel drive, and it spun out, so it was a steep hill. The truck turned on the hill, and, and we're sitting there like this. He's, he's in the seat down there, and I'm in the seat up here. And by the grace of God, we didn't roll over. I, I know. And, and we, we, we start to investigate what, what happened, and we found something. This is a little bit bigger, just so you can see it. We found something like this on the, the floorboard of the, of the truck. And it was the pin that connected the cable linkage to the actual pedal. And, and it fell out. Now, I, I, as I start out the sermon today, you, you see the title of, of the message today. It's, and I always get it backwards, it's significantly insignificant. This little pin, you know, 
Do you, have you ever given a thought to the linkage pin between your, the cable and the brake? Of course, now they're, they're brake by wire, but um, it, did ever, ever think that this would fall out? No, pretty insignificant when it comes to the grand scheme of a pickup or a vehicle. It's not the motor, it's not the cool paint job or the nice shiny rims that everybody sees, but it's very significant, right? Very, very important, because when this little pin refuses to do its job, the entire truck is in peril. At least we were that day. Now, neither of those two guys would drive the truck for the rest of the day, so they made me drive it. And the rest of the way up the, up the mountain, we did finally find a way to get on that cat trail and, and go up the mountain. My leg was doing this. <laughs> the whole way up there. I mean, they're like, can't you drive smooth? And I'm like, I can't stop my leg from shaking. (laughs) This is kind of what Paul talks about in our passage today. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this morning. And and we must, as we're going to see today, simply humble and submit ourselves to God in Jesus Christ. Christ. Paul has been talking about this. This is his third chapter in talking about this. Now, of course, I don't, you know, I don't know how much of a letter they would read at a time. And of course, when they received the letter, the Corinthians, there weren't chapters and verses. It, it, was, a, it was a manuscript of text. Um, but trying to make these manageable for us to read and so we, we can t- show each other where we are going. Um, those who put scripture into um, copy for us to look at, put those in there so that we could find our place pretty easily. But as we saw last week, uh, Jesus is the one who does the changing in us. Um, In us, in our children, in our friends, in our bosses, in our spouses, in our family members. But at the same time, we are also to do what we can do, what we have been given to do. And, and we are to take seriously the call of God in our lives and on our lives. And, and we are to take seriously being a part of the process that God has us in. It is a process, yes, it is a journey. Absolutely it is. And we are all on different places when it comes to that. But sometimes we can get stuck in a place on that journey. And, and we need help, like a pickup or a, a car that's stuck in the snow that just absolutely can't get out on its own, it needs another power source to give it that pull or that shove to get it out. And that's exactly what this letter is to the Corinthian church. Paul is is saying, hey, look, wake up. You need to to recognize some things. And and Paul is going to certainly give us some things to consider this morning. Significantly insignificant. That's, that's kind of where Paul is going in our passage this morning. It's, and, and it's the overall theme that Paul is tackling in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. And, and he uses three vivid and understandable metaphors. He, he actually uses six in 3 and 4, but we're only going look to at, look at the three that are in chapter 3 this morning. And I, I think they're all metaphors that we can all relate pretty well to. So if you haven't already, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you didn't bring a Bible, please grab one from underneath the seat and follow along with us as we go through here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Brothers, Paul says, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. 
I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? So the first comparison that Paul makes this morning for us is babies versus adults. Babies and adults. Infants and adults. You know, last week I said that the Corinthian church was about three years old. Actually, um, it was closer to five. So these people have been in relationship with Jesus Christ, and then they've been under the teaching of, of a disciple or an apostle or a teacher for, for five years. And, and Paul is saying, look, you're, you're not getting anywhere. You're, you're not growing up. You, you are still drinking milk. And, uh, you know, early on, Paul's teaching after, the, after their salvation was pretty basic. Here, here are some simple things that you need to know as a Christ follower, as one who, who follows Jesus Christ. That's the milk that he's talking about, and that's normal. When, when we come to Christ, um, when we're uh, starting our relationship with Jesus, it, God doesn't say, well, okay, you need to know it all now. Uh, we, I, I had, a, had a student one time in youth group years and years ago who said, I'm, I'm not willing to surrender my life to Jesus until I'm sure that I can fulfill the commitment that I'm making. And I thought, well, none of us can do that, actually. Um, we, we, we surrender to him, and then we, we grow, and, and we join that, that, that journey that he puts us on. It's normal for us when we first believe to be babies in, in our faith and, and only be able to digest milk. But, but Paul is saying, after five years, you guys are still infants. You're sti- if, if we have a five-year-old or an eight-year-old or a ten-year-old who is still only living on milk, is that normal? <laughs> That's not even healthy, I don't think, as we grow up. We need to graduate to solid food. And we, we don't just, you know, oh, you know, Johnny's four out with the milk, in with the, in with the solids, right? We don't, it, we don't do that either. Um, there's this gradual changing over from milk to, to solid food, and that's what, what the teachers would have been doing, and that's what Paul was expecting. But he's getting these reports about, about quarreling and infighting and that sort of thing, and, and as a reminder, um, I, just so that we all are, are sure about this, Paul is not saying that they are still not Paul's not saying that they have lost their salvation. Paul is not saying that they're not saved, that they don't have eternal life, because he says right there, he addresses them as brothers. Brothers in Christ. And, and he also, though, though it is, uh, it is a, a challenge to them, and he's confronting them about this, he says that they're infants in Christ. So they are in Christ. Okay, so we know that. They, they have eternal life in Jesus. But again, a, a, an a, unhealthy life would be a 35-year-old who, who still eats an axe and lives as if he were an infant. And, and Paul says that that is true, that this is true because there's jealousy and there's quarreling among you. You guys, you need to see this. And, and they must not be seeing it. Which is why sometimes we need help getting pulled because we're stuck. 
They're not acting like men and women who are maturing in Christ. They're acting like babies. I mean, I, I, can, I can see Paul right now, you know, uh, kind of yelling at them. When are you going to grow up? Uh, heaven forbid a parent ever says that to their child, but we've thought it many times, I think. And we certainly think it about other parents' children, if we're honest, right? Um, Actually, somebody that I was around yesterday said something like this. Now, they were joking, but they said, well, he's not doing what I want him to do, so he's not my friend anymore. And I thought, wow, I've said that before. It was a long time ago, but I've said that in my life before. And then you usually follow that up with, I'm not inviting you to my birthday party. (laughs) Right? I mean, and, and sometimes, even as adults, though we don't say it that way, we can act that way. And, and Paul is saying this should not be. He's saying you're acting, like, you're acting like people who aren't even saved. You're acting like people who, who don't have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And you need to stop it. You, you need to see this. Um, they're, they're constantly looking over their shoulders at each other, envying uh, one another's gifts. We, we will see this later. There seems to be little love and a whole lot of competitiveness. There's no appreciation for the different contributions brought to the fellowship by God in Paul and Apollos and others. Because they are different. We each have a different role to play. We each have different gifts. Remember, um, we don't all have all of the gifts. We each have different ones, that, which is why the body of Christ needs all of us. Because when one of us fails or refuses, then it puts the whole vehicle in peril. I mean, it, it affects the, the operation of the whole body of Christ. Uh, seems like uh, in Corinth there are these large numbers of cliques, and it's, you know, we, we gravitate to familiarity, you know, we have church in the park. We have a big meal. Who, who do you generally sit with? Who do you sit around? Who do you sit next to in church? People that, that you're familiar with, that you're comfortable with, because we don't like to be uncomfortable. At a, at a, a certain place in a service, if there's just silence, we, we, we call it awkward silence, right? Because we're not used to that. It's, 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 we're, it's different. Uh, these people are in cliques because they just refu- they, they, they flat refuse to mix with people of other views. I'm just not going to associate with them. And, and they have their own little, uh, we all agree with each other, holy huddle together, and, and they're refusing to you know, be a part of the, the body of Christ. And, and that should be a big challenge to us. That's how ordinary men without Christ and the Holy Spirit treat each other, Paul says. Not us. Not us who are in Christ. Uh, James uh, says this in in chapter 3, verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Look, you're wrong when you do that, James says. You need to recognize that, and you don't need to be proud of it. Because some people are. Well, that's just who I am, right? I'm... God, God wields me like a big sledgehammer. Mm. 
I suppose there are times where somebody in our life needs us to be a sledgehammer, but... So the first comparison is babies and adults. The second comparison Paul makes is that of planting and watering. Verse 5. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So, Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. Interesting that Paul doesn't say, who are Apollos and who are Paul? He says, what? Sort of even a derogatory description of himself. Not who am I, but what am I? What am I? You know, we would say that, right, to somebody. We sort of get, get left in the dust, and we go, what am I, chopped liver? Just to emphasize the chopped liver, which is really gross. Um, but Paul is emphasizing the fact that they are simply servants. I, Paul, the, Paul, the greatest missionary, I think, to have ever lived is emphasizing that he's nothing. He's simply a servant. The Greek word is diakonai there, which actually means deacon, uh, which literally means the servant of a king or one who has his position assigned to him. Paul, Paul is saying, we wait on your tables. We, we wait on God for our instructions. We, uh, we obey his wishes. We move at his bidding and his request. Our responsibilities and our gifts, they come from God. We are nothing. It's not because we're educated or, or we've studied a lot or we're just really good at what we do. Paul's making sure to, to remove all of that, um, that notoriety that the people are putting on him and make sure he straightens them out that says, no, 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 no. That's not right. It's It's God. And Paul isn't taking the credit himself. And we've seen in other chapters where he certainly could take some. He was amazing. He went through unbelievable trials. We too must look at our gifts and mission and life in the same way. We, we've been given a mission. We've been given a path. We've been given priorities in our life. But, but those should never be raised above Jesus Christ because if we don't keep them in the right place, we, we regress back to our infant days and our elementary days and we start refusing to let people play with us because they, they said something or whatever. And we quarrel and, and we, we have jealousy. Uh, Paul says, I planted and Apollos watered. So even though God, even though compared to God, we are insignificant. We're, we're, very, we're very small. Um, Paul goes on to say that, that we become significant. We are significant as we do what God has called us to. 
specifically here, Paul says, in planting and watering. In fact, both planting and watering are, are significant, but they will remain insignificant unless God gives power to those things. If those things are just us, Remember last week the, the, the pastor that said, you see that man over there? He's, he's one of my converts. And in further in the discussion, he made sure that the person he was talking to knew that it was his convert, not God's. I, I fear for that person who was his convert. Because he, he may be in a place, he may find himself in a place later on after his life that he wasn't expecting if he's not a convert of God. God gives people growth. But, so planting and watering are totally dependent on God and one another. It's us together. We need to plant. We need to water. And I would throw in fertilizing too. Because those are things as farmers that, that, we, can, that we can do. Uh, Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 27. The disciples are all sitting around the, the table at the Last Supper. And it says here, also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not like that. You are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I among you, but I am among you as one who serves. These are the words of Jesus. What a great example Jesus gives us there, right? He washes the disciples' feet in, in this same moment in time, including Judas, who he knows will betray him later with a kiss. I can't even imagine how difficult that would be for me. So, so a farmer plants and waters, right? Uh. Now, we don't water all of the time and everything because we don't have access to water every place. But a farmer, you know, he, he, he gets the ground ready and then he plants the seed. The farmer didn't create the seed. He only gets the seed. And some of it's really expensive. Most of it is really expensive. He puts it in the ground he may run water down the ditch or turn the sprinkler on if he needs to. That's something that he can do. He can cultivate it. He can fertilize it. But if that seed is going to grow and produce fruit, what has to happen? Is there something the farmer can do that makes that happen? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, he just watches it grow. And, and prays the storms away and, you know, ang has anxiety because there's something going on here that he has no control over. That is so hard, even for all of us, right? Uh, it, because, because I want credit. Honestly, there's things that I do in my life, I want credit for that. 
I want a gold star. I want a check mark. I want to be able to say, I did that. But in the Christian life, I can't have that attitude. Even in, in my regular life, it's problematic when I have that attitude. So I start thinking things are more important than other things. Or things are more important than people. You see, as we live our lives in the community that is the church family, we must serve one another. And this is one way that we mature from infants to adults in our faith on our walk with Jesus Christ. And as we experience healthy relationships because we are serving one another, and as we work through conflict, and as we help each other, those who are not our brothers and sisters, those who are outside the church, instead of saying, why would I want to be a part of that church, they all can't even get along. They see something powerful happening because the power of God is working in our hearts and our minds. And they see it. And as God draws our hearts in, we participate in the ways that he has given us. We plant, we water, we cultivate, we fertilize. And he changes hearts and minds. I mean, how many times have you thought or seen a person's life dramatically changed because they surrendered their life to Jesus Christ? And maybe before that, a year before, two years before, you thought to yourself, there's no way that person's life could change. Or maybe you just didn't even really think about it. But God does it. God wants to. He's the one that that uh, infuses the power into your life and into mine and changes us. We must not take credit for that. So Paul compares infants and adults, then planting and watering. The next comparison he makes is that between foundations and buildings. This is another illustration for another kind of group in, in our church this morning. Look at verse 9 there. For we, Paul says, are God's fellow workers... You are God's field, talking about the Corinthians, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day, capital D, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If, if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames." Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Paul is moving from agriculture to architecture and there is a lot of things that we could cover in here this morning. I'm not even going to talk about kind of the rewards in heaven and, uh, and that aspect of it. But what I want to look at this morning is the fact that doesn't every building need a strong foundation? Uh, you know, back in, the, back in the 20s, sometimes they, they didn't build strong foundations. 
uh, my house, my home, uh, which we, we figure was built around 20, or 20, 1917, has a solid foundation. I mean, in fact, I, I put an egress window in the basement and had to cut through 10 inches of poured wall. You know, river rock the size of your fists. Um, it's a solid foundation. There's a footer down the middle of the house. My neighbor across the street to the west, however, um, that foundation is about this tall and is just sitting on top of the ground. And, and there's really nothing that can be done about that because, you know, the house made it about 100 years, but it's not going to make it any more years, not without lots of expense. Um, Paul is saying right here that, that our solid foundation is what? It's Jesus Christ. On that solid rock we then build. But only if that's our foundation. That has to be our foundation to begin with. You know, the foolish man built his house where? Sand. And where did the wise man build? On rock. And that rock was Jesus Christ. I love that song. I'm getting better at it. I'm learning it. And I'm learning to appreciate it more as I learn the words and the, the melody to it. You know, Paul was good at what God tasked him with. He was a good builder. And, and he needed to be. Because that's what God wanted him to do. But, but he wouldn't have been a good builder if he'd have said, all of you Corinthians, you're my converts. That's not a good builder. A good builder is one who says, Jesus Christ has changed your life. Let me help you walk through life and follow Jesus, just like I'm doing. That's building. And we need to live that way. The only foundation we need in our lives is Jesus. The only rock that will be strong enough to carry us through life and into eternity is that rock. It's that foundation that is Jesus Christ. He must be our priority. He must be our center. That's what we build on. No human is able to carry or sustain another Christian or even a church. Can't happen. You know, I, there's a picture, and I, I, I understand kind of what it's saying. It's a picture on Facebook, but it's this picture of this pastor, and he's leaning over, and there's this big church building, kind of like a building like that, on his back. And it's like, pray for your pastor because, you know, he's carrying a lot. <sighs> That's unsustainable. I mean, I understand sort of the, the goal of that picture is to, hey, encourage you to pray for your pastor. We need to pray for all of, for one another. But, but if there's a pastor who thinks that he's carrying the load of the church himself, whoa, I don't want to be that guy. And I have been at times. No, Jesus is the one who carries us. Um, and the rest of the building can begin to be built strong if Jesus is our foundation. And, and it all, of course, starts with our eternal life in Christ. Jesus said, uh, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. John records that in his gospel in chapter 5. And, in re and later in the gospel of John are these words of Jesus. Jesus answered, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is our foundation, our starting point, our rock. And, and after we've received salvation, then that building can begin to be built with strong materials, Paul says, like gold and silver and costly stones. You know, that we're searching the scriptures to, to come up with right doctrine it's, that's truthful and, and God-given to help one another learn God's word and apply it to our lives on a daily basis. To me, that's building with, with gold and silver. Being obedient to his law and helping one another be obedient. Those are strong materials. Building a strong foundation and, and the walls. But then Paul also mentions wood and hay and straw. Let's not build up the foundation with those things because honestly, right when the three little pigs built the house, the storm came or the wolf came and he huffed and he puffed and he blew their house down. But when they built it out of strong material, that's what Paul is saying. You know, the cheaper and weaker materials, they won't last. If, if, we're, if we're building into one another's lives with cheaper and weaker materials, it won't take much huffing and puffing in order for us to be at each other's throats, to be quarreling, to be jealous, to be, to be competing. You know, saying things like... Uh, I'm going, to obey the command, I'm going to obey the commands of God, or at least those that I feel like it. Those are weak materials. And, and when, when we have a struggle or a trial in our life, if we build on those weak materials, we will, we will give in. We will, uh, we will just live for self. Um, wanting our ears to be tickled by our pastor or the teachers that we listen to instead of our souls cut and convicted. Those are poor materials. They make our foundations weak, even though Christ is the solid rock that we began with. And the strength or the weakness of our foundations will, exposed, Paul, will be exposed, Paul says, by fire. And, and the fire that he mentions there um, is on the last day when we stand before God. And he says, let's do a review of your life. And I think there's also, you know, fire in our daily lives as well. So let's take Paul's challenge seriously. Let's, let's be intentional to follow Jesus every day and help one another follow him. Building with strong materials. Working hard daily. As, as, as we have been given gifts of God. You know, uh, and we have been given a position, a, a mission Jesus has given us to plant and water. Paul's final words in chapter 3 talk once again about wisdom. I mean, he continues to hammer this point, right? This is the third chapter. This is the third long section in his letter to the Corinthians where he is talking about wisdom. I'm, I'm guessing it's pretty important. He talks about worldly wisdom. In fact, he's taking great pains to be specific. 
So a, a, new, a new auto shop teacher uh, gave three students a job to do. Uh, he wanted them to clean a car that was parked outside, and he gave them two extension cords, the vacuum cleaner, a bucket, rags, and the car keys, and he mentioned that the car was one to be used in his class. Later, he went out and he discovered these three kids with their feet up on the dashboard listening to the stereo. Now, I can imagine, you've heard the old adage, right? One boy is... One boy's a boy, two boys, half a boy, three boys is no boy at all. That was true when I was growing up for me personally. If I was by myself, I could get work done. If I had a cousin or a friend with me and we were trying to get things done, we'd get it done about half, half pace. And if there was three of us, forget it, the day's wasted because we didn't get nothing done. So there's these three boys are out there and the teacher goes out and he says, why aren't you vacuuming the car? And one replies, because the extension cord wouldn't reach. And the teacher said, that's why I gave you two. And one of the boys says, we tried the other one. It was too short also. <laughs> Worldly wisdom can work that way. I mean, I, I can think of things in our country right now that are just, they're shameful, honestly. I'm... Worldly wisdom. Jesus, uh, let's look at verse 18. Do not deceive yourselves, Paul says. If, if, if any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about men. He, he's hitting that again. Stop talking about Apollos and me and other men. Talk about Jesus Christ. All things are yours, Paul says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is our God. You see, David Pryor said this, those who are truly wise in God's sight are those who deliberately reject such worldly wisdom and adopt an attitude to people and to things which everyone else will call foolish. People will look at you and go, it just makes no sense. That, that person has said bad things to you how many times and you still, you forgive them and you still love them. Why would you do that? Why on earth in our enlightened day would you keep yourself pure until you got married no one else is doing it that's worldly wisdom that's worldly thinking why on earth would you carry a child that you have been told might have a problem when it's born why would you do that why not reboot and then be guaranteed that's worldly thinking And when we say the opposite, when we say things like, I don't care what your medicine says, I don't care what your test says, I'm not God. And, and God has given me this child that is growing inside of me and I'm going to carry it to term or however long God gives me to carry it. And, and God will do what he wants to do. And people state governments, politicians, look at that and say, that is, why would you do that? 
Last week, a 14-year-old girl in the Netherlands um, killed herself legally by legal medical suicide, which is legal in their country, because she had been raped a couple times as a child, and I don't doubt that that was hard and difficult and that she had, that there was, that she struggled in her life. I'm not minimizing that at all. But to come to the point where you say, where a doctor says she's going to struggle with this her whole life and sign off on her checking out of her own volition from the planet, that's worldly thinking. And that's where we go. That's where we go if we rely on our own wisdom. And we don't center ourselves on Jesus Christ. And Paul is trying to make it clear to us right here. Jesus said, forgive 70 times 7. People look at that and go, that's foolishness. Why would you do that? Reading and meditating and learning and following the full counsel of the Bible, even in times where it doesn't seem to help us get ahead in life, that's, what, that's how we have to live. That's building with gold and silver. Worldly wisdom getting wrapped up in ourselves or our efforts to our, uh, or our careers, sacrificing people in our lives, fudging the truth a little because we deserve it or that company, they've got all the money they need or the government, I, you know, I don't want to send that to them. It's mine anyway. Ending a life because it's legal. Boasting about ourselves. Boasting about other men and women who we agree with and whose way of thinking we want to promote or others. Worldly wisdom. How, how are we going to live? As infants? <laughs> Stuck on milk with a weak foundation that when the pressures of life come, we may crumble? Or, or do we want to spur one another on and, and build with, with strong materials so that, so that we all together are the building, the body of Christ, able till the very end to stand? My prayer is, as we apply what God's spoken to us here this morning, is that we would all grow in our understanding of our insignificance relative to who our Creator is, that, that our attitude would be the same as John the Baptist. He said, he must become greater, I must become less. He's talking about the Messiah who he prepared the way for. He, he could have said, hey, I'm the guy. He could have dropped Jesus' name. He's a cousin of mine. He's it. Hang out with me, and it's almost like being with him. no. John said, he must become greater and I must become less. That's a process. It's a process for us too. And also like this, this brake pedal link pin, though insignificant, when doing its job as it was assigned to do, that we would also realize and celebrate and be thankful for how significant we are as well in the hand of God and that we would be available and willing to do what he has called us to. Look, um, it's not a glamorous thing to, to be a volunteer for Vacation Bible School to take care of two, two children, infants, who aren't old enough to be in Vacation Bible School. But if that one person doesn't serve, then those two volunteers that have those children can't serve as well, and all of a sudden we're needing more volunteers. See, 
It seems insignificant, but in the grand scheme of life, it is every one of us has an, <laughs> a significant, insignificant role to play. May we find it, may we know it, and may we live it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your amazing grace, for your love and your mercy. God, thank you for the mission that you give us as a church, as individuals in the lives of other people. Father, I pray that, uh, God, I pray that we would, we would heed Paul's words and your words as he speaks to the Corinthians. And Father, that our, that our fellowship, that, that we would be a, a group of adults following you, trusting you, allowing you to change our minds and our hearts. That we first would have that solid rock foundation of Jesus Christ who gave your life for us. An incredible sacrifice. But you rose. Father, help us to see that and to believe that and to put our faith in it. And Father, help us also to live our lives among our families and our workplaces and in our community and our neighbors so that we might also proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you. And, and Lord Jesus, we want to worship you with these last couple songs. Father, as the ushers come forward and, and take up our offering as we begin uh, this uh, this song, may our giving also be a form of worship to you. Lord, draw our hearts in as we close with these last couple songs. In Jesus' name, amen.